Welcome to another edition of Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime with me, Marshan Kenny. Hopefully you're enjoying the show so far because I sure am. And it's a great time to be a Golden Eagle right now. Baseball season just started and what a product we have over there at Pete Taylor Park. I mean, they're top 20 in a lot of polls, top 10 in some polls. So expect a lot of big things from Scott Berry and the crew over there and some of that Pete Taylor magic to start kicking in. And men's basketball, I mean, wow. As I record this, we just finished an undefeated season at home and March is right around the corner. And if you ask me, we are the favorite to win that Sunbelt Conference Tournament. And if we do win that, that means that ticket to the big dance, man. And would that be absolutely unbelievable uh, to the season if we did make it into March Madness? So I just can't give, give enough props to the men's basketball team and Jay Ladner and that crew right now. And also for all you football junkies, spring football is about to start. Uh, it's year three of the Will Hall era, so everybody's excited to see what we can do with the Rock later on this year. And that schedule's really strong. So it's going to be a fun time later on this fall. I said I would always bring some kind of passionate comment or passion, passionate feel that I had about something to this show. And I'll do that today. And that's going to be something that we call Marshant's Rants. And in today's Marshant's Rants, I got to go back to that men's basketball game on Thursday, February 9th. It was a special event, and I really want to focus on the student section. I mean, that was probably the rowdiest student section I've ever seen in Southern Miss history. I mean, if, if not the best, it was, it was a top five. It was so, so special. We had a DJ there, DJ Cujo, who did an unbelievable job getting the crowd hyped up along with the band. I mean, it was just a special atmosphere, and it was a big, big time. But one thing I do want to mention is the game after that on the Saturday, you just saw a big drop off from numbers uh, in the students. You just did. And uh, so all I want to see in the future right now is just let's try to figure out a way to keep that student section involved, keep them coming back. I totally understand, you know, th that night on Thursday, February 9th was just kind of a unique atmosphere. It was two 20-plus win teams playing for first place, made it a big old deal, big old event. But to have such a drop off in the numbers and students on that Saturday, you know, really, we just got to figure something out and hopefully keep that engagement going high. So I just challenge the administration and I'll always challenge maybe the fans and then come up with some good ideas to keep that student section packed and uh, keep it as rowdy as possible at all times because they definitely do make a difference. So Next up on the show, it's it's going to be a big interview section, like I always say, of this show. And, and the next interview here is somebody I am super fired up to talk to, a guy I've become very, very good friends with over the past two years. He's somebody I believe in. He's doing a great job over there with Southern Miss and uh, Southern Miss football. So I'm going to bring in a, a great behind-the-scenes interview with the man, head Southern Miss football coach Will Hall. We're joined here by Southern Miss head football coach Will Hall, and you know it's an honor for me to have you on the show very early on, Coach. Oh man, fired up to be here, buddy. You know, uh, think a lot of you have really enjoyed uh, getting to know you and, and developing our relationship and our friendship, and love your passion for Southern Miss. Love everything you do to promote us and what we're doing. I know you really believe in how we're building the program. I know it reminds you a lot of how it of how it was built when you were here. And, uh, man, excited to be on the podcast with you today. Awesome, man. Yeah, appreciate all you doing. You know that. And uh, coming off a season, the Lending Tree Bowl champs uh, winning season, you beat a top 10 two-lane team on the road. 
And there's a game I focus on, man. You win at Texas State and about give me and a lot of fans a heart attack. So, uh, but appreciate the great season. Just recap the season real quick. Yeah, it was a great step in the right direction for us from the standpoint of when, when I got hired, you know, Marshawn, it was, it was a deal where everybody asked me, Coach, what's the next step for you? And I said, well, the first thing we got to do is play 12 games that matter. And we got to get in the arena. You know, in, in our first year here, we just weren't able to be in the arena in a lot of games. We just weren't good enough. We didn't have enough players. Our foundation wasn't poured. This year, man, we played 13 games, and 12 of them, we were in it. We were in it to the very end. A lot of close games. Um, you know, we could have certainly won more if we make a play or two in a lot of them. We certainly could have lost more if we hadn't have made one or two more plays than we did. So, I think from the standpoint of we got the program back to respectability where we know we can play with everybody. And now the next step for us is to take another, you know, step in the right direction is to compete for a conference championship. And I think, I think we can do that because we've been in the arena with everybody in our league. And I think we were really young last year. We had 71 freshmen and sophomores. We're not going to be young anymore. We've had another great recruiting class. We're going to add to that again in a few days. And I think we've got a chance to, to really, really build a, a consistent winner that competes for com conference championships moving forward. No, no doubt about that. Now, football's been in your blood your whole life, man. Born and raised in Amory, Mississippi. Uh, I called your dad for some good stories. So hopefully while we're talking, I got some good stories for you. But I learned about you, man. Sports was in your blood so big time at a young age. You read the sports section to pronunciate words to read better. Is that correct? <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in a household where that that's what mattered. You know, my dad became a legendary high school football coach. My cousins and my uncles were all basketball coaches in North Mississippi. So I was just in a sports environment. I got dropped off at the field house when I was five years old and been going every day since. We were big St. Louis Cardinal fans being in North Mississippi because that's the the radio station that came through with pro baseball. So I remember as a kid, I would wake up and get the news sports section and would go to the box score immediately to check the Cardinals box score. And, you know, Ozzie Smith, Pedro Guerrero, Tom Brunanski, Todd Worrell, John Tudor, you know, I just learned who those guys were and learned how to spell their names. And that's kind of really how I got rolling reading was reading box scores. And that, that went to, NBA basketball, and that's the only way. You know, there was no Google. There wasn't internet. You had to wake up every day, and if you were keeping up with sports, you you kept up with the standings and looked at it. When you opened up the sports section, that first inside page was all the box scores, man, and I look forward to that every day. Yeah, that is so true. And, uh, I mean, obviously your, your dad, Coach Bobby Hall, legendary high school football coach in the state of Mississippi, and uh, you wanted to be around football all the time, wanted to be around your dad as much as you could. I learned a story where your bus driver, Joe Burrow, the current Cincinnati Bengals head coach or, or quarterback, his grandma was your bus driver, and she used to bring you to practice after school. So talk about that, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Joe's grandparents are, are James Burrow and Miss Dot Burrow, and they're kind of Amory legends. Uh, Mr. James was principal there and, and, and hired my dad twice. Just phenomenal family. They lived on the same neighborhood as my high school best friend, Rory Thornton, who runs the Parks and Recreation Department in Amory now. And uh, 
yeah, Miss Dot was my school bus driver. Uh, she would pick me up at elementary school, and and the buses then went from elementary to the high school, and they went all the way back around the high school. And a dad had talked to her and said, you know, can we make a special stop? Because the, the football field, the buses went by it first. So she would stop, and they let me out, and I'd run down the gravel uh, slag parking lot all the way to the field house, and then she would make her rounds all the way back to the high school. So just a phenomenal family. And, uh, you know, Joe's dad, Jimmy, is one of the greatest athletes to ever come out of Amory High School, played in Nebraska. And uh, they're they just a great family that are pillars of, of the Amory community. Oh, man, when, when I've seen articles about you, I hear the phrase faith family football all the time, man. What does that phrase mean to you and the Hall family? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I was blessed to grow up in a two-parent home. Uh, both my parents loved me dearly. Uh, my mom passed away about six and a half years ago. She was a phenomenal human being that really lived by the golden rule. You know, she treated everybody the way she would want them to treat her. She was so patient and so kind. She lived her life to serve others. She was a speech therapist. Uh, her mother, uh, my mom's name was Jan Hall. My, her mother was Maxine McKay. Uh, we called her Mama Mac. Uh, man, they they really put faith as a cornerstone in my life from early on. Uh, just phenomenal Christian people. Uh, my grandmother uh, was one of those people that probably sinned about eight times in her whole life. You know, we, she had a direct line. Man, when she prayed, it was a direct line shot, you know, to to the Lord. And uh, I was blessed to marry, a, you know, a, a young lady in Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Randall, now Rebecca Hall, and she's just a devout Christian. And her, her parents, uh, Renee Randall and David Randall, are also that way. And so uh, – it's just kind of something that's always been in my life. I'm so thankful for it now. You know, when you go through hard times, it's it's what I lean on. Uh, and and uh, obviously, in the profession I'm in, and having to deal with people all the time, it's 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 my rock. You know, I'm a Christian that matters to me. I don't force my beliefs on my players, but at the same time, they always know where my center point comes from. And um, that definitely filters throughout our program. We got a team chaplain and brother Mitch Williams that does a phenomenal job with them. And, uh, you know, man, it's just just kind of part of my fabric. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and keeping with those kind of younger days, you go to Amory High School, and one of the coolest stories you can imagine, you get to play quarterback for your dad. And uh, talking to him, he wanted me to make sure that I talk about a certain game in 98 when you played Tupelo. If you could yeah. talk about that game, he says he even tweeted a picture out this week of walking off the field with you. He's so proud of that game. Yeah, so, you know, if you grow up in North Mississippi, particularly Northeast Mississippi, anybody that wants to do anything, you have to go to Tupelo. You know, all those towns up there are little 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A schools. Tupelo is the only 6A school up in that part of the country. And so every date anybody goes on, you go to Tupelo. Every date me and Rebecca went on was it to Tupelo. So everybody goes to Tupelo, go to the mall, to go on a date, to whatever. Well, because of that, Tupelo is the largest school in the area, too, and very rarely loses to any of those schools. And my senior year, we were able to beat them 21 to 10. Uh, it, was a, it was a great football game. We were a 3A at the time, and Tupelo was the largest classification. And uh, we scored 21 and answered to beat them, and it was just a huge, huge win. And uh, we went on to go 15-0 and 0 and win the state title that year in, in my senior year. We had 15 seniors on that team. 
that played all four years and all 15 of them started, and they're still dear friends to me to this day and mean a lot to me. Yeah, how special was that winning the state championship with your dad? It was huge, you know, because we had won two in a row in 94 and 95 when I was an eighth grader and ninth grader. Then as a 10th grader, we lost one game and got left out of the playoffs due to a tiebreaker. Then as a junior, I became the starting quarterback. And we lost, uh, I believe, three games that year, maybe just two, and it was like the sky was falling in angry. And so <laughs> I had lived my whole life as Bobby Hall's son, wanting to play for him and play quarterback. And now all of a sudden I get that responsibility. And even though we're successful, it was a failure from the standpoint of what the expectations were. And it was hard, you know, because not only was I the quarterback in a town where football meant so much to so many people, but I was also the coach's kid and we were losing more than we had ever lost. And so that was probably the hardest, one of the hardest things I ever went through. And it really molded and shaped me the rest of my life. And the next year we came back and went 15 and 0 and led the state in scoring. And it was a lot of vindication for me and uh, learning to battle through that, learning to tune out the noise and believe in work and believe in what's right and believe in uh, knowing what mattered. So it really, Shay, I tell people all the time, man, kids that play in these small towns in Mississippi and the surrounding area in Louisiana and Alabama, when they play in these football towns, there's no more – college football is no more – not in any way more pressurized than playing Friday Night Lights in those towns. Because hmm. if you lose, you got to go downtown. Everybody knows who you are, and it's your <laughs> fault. You true. know, and so uh, that was huge to my upbringing. That is true. So you go on to play quarterback in Northwest Mississippi Community College or Juco All-American putting up stats like crazy. Yep. There's one game I want to talk about, though, man. You, you always talk about players getting in the zone. East Mississippi, you threw nine touchdowns. <laughs> that, that's, that's PlayStation numbers. What, tell me about that game, man, nine touchdowns. Well, to tell you about that game, I got to tell you the whole situation. So, okay. number one, we had phenomenal players all around us. Uh, we really were. We were great, man. We were the number one team in the country. We, I uh, think we averaged 53 points a game that year. My offensive coordinator was a guy by the name of Scott Maxfield. I actually talked to Coach Maxfield for about 30 minutes the other day. He's the head coach at Henderson State, a Division II school in Arkansas now, and all-time winning his coach in their school's history. Uh, he was on the cutting edge, man. We were four wide, no huddle tempo in 99 and 2000 when nobody was doing it. And he had really taken the Bobby Petrino system and morphed it into no huddle. And, man, we were rolling. And we rolled up into East Mississippi that day. And uh, they were playing cover zero, Marshall. They were blitzing every play, man. We were tearing them up. And they never stopped, and we never stopped. So, uh, it was cool. You know, it got me in uh, Sports Illustrated and Faces in the Crowd, if you remember that, which was kind yeah. of a big deal for a 5'9 kid from Mississippi. So, uh, but no, I was blessed, man. I was blessed to play for my dad, then blessed to play for Scott Maxfield and Bobby Franklin at Northwest, then to blessed to play for Mark Hudspeth and Kenny Edenfield at North Alabama. And all of them were tremendous offensive minds on the cutting edge of their time. I think – we led the state in scoring my senior year of high school. We led the nation in scoring when I was in JUCO. And then we led the conference in offense when I was at North Alabama. So I was just able to play in such great schemes and allow me to accentuate my talents and uh, really thankful to the good Lord for it, you know. because Yeah, man, you go, to North, you go to North Alabama and you absolutely tear it up. I mean, you win the Harlan Hill Trophy, which is the Heisman Trophy for that division. I mean, just 
things are going well. I saw a cool picture of you online, man. You got the tux with the trophy, man. Super cool. Man, how special was that being the guy for for for, for college football, basically getting that trophy? Yeah, you know, it, it, again, big-time blessing. Had a lot of good players around me. You know one of them really well, Lance Ancar, strength coach. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, you know, a uh, lot of good players around us. We won a lot of games. Uh, was on the cutting edge systematically. Played for great coaches. Anytime a quarterback's successful, you're in a good system with a lot of good people around you. And I'm very prideful of what we did at North Alabama at that time. I loved being a, playing at North Alabama. I'm very prideful of being a North Alabama graduate. They love football up there. Uh, they have a great fan base. And when we got there, they had fallen on hard times. My first year as a transfer, we had we 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 had a losing season coming in with a new coaching staff. And the next year, we had everybody back, and we won the conference and went all the way to the semifinals. Went thirteen and one. So it's something I take great great pride in, and uh, you know, obviously treasure. Absolutely. And let's get back to your center at North Alabama, Coach Lance Ankar. You know, he's one of my favorite dudes on your staff, man. I mean, the kids love him. They work hard for him. Um, I read something to where you two are thinking about this, what you're doing right now at Southern Miss, him being your strength coach, you being the head coach a long time ago, man, to, trying to develop this kind of culture, this cool culture that you have right now. If you don't mind talking about that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I think any great leader, uh, and, and certainly I'm aspiring to be a great leader or thought of that way is it always has a plan and tries to stay five steps down the road. And, you know, I've always had a vision for what I wanted to do and I always knew what I wanted to do. So therefore I could plan my steps accordingly. So every move I've made in my career, every decision I made has always been calculated with, does it get me where I want to go? And I always knew if I ever got to this moment, uh, I had a list of who I wanted my strength coaches to be, and Ancar was always at the top of it because, man, we've just been through the fire together. You know how it is, man. When you're teammates with somebody, you're in the trenches, you really know if you can trust them, especially when times are hard. And running a football program certainly is hard. And, man, he just believes in treating people the way I believe in treating people. He believes that you have to push people, but you also have to love people. And – um I just love him, man. His passion is real. It's never fake. Uh, he would do anything for these kids. I mean, like anything for them. And that's the way he is as a father, too, with his three kids. I love his three kids. He loves mine. I mean, our wives are great friends. Um, man, I just believe in him. and He believes in me, and it's uh, we can read each other's mind. And, and man, I can't, I can't give him enough credit the foundation we've laid here and, and how things are going in the direction we're moving in. That's awesome, man. You two have great, great synergy. Uh, kind of getting after North Alabama. You go play some pro ball in the National Indoor Football League. Man, you're getting slammed into walls instead of slammed into the ground. What was that vibe like, man? <laughs> so I get done playing at North Al, and I've got to go – I've got to stay in the spring to get my degree. And so my dad had retired from coaching to watch me play. Well, that, that arena league had started up and there was a team in Tupelo. And so my dad knew my season was over. So he had planned to take over this team. So about a month to go in my season, he said, man, you got to go back to North Isle anyway. 
and finish a degree, why don't you just come be my quarterback and be my offensive coordinator? So yeah, he's, he's the head coach, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, there you go. so it was one of the coolest things ever, man. We were no huddle. It was like, at the time, Peyton Manning. You know, I mean, I was Peyton Manning. I was calling the plays and playing quarterback. We were no huddle. We took over a program that had gone 2-12 the year before and was last in the league in offense. And we went from 2-12 and 12 to 8-6, and six, and we led the league in scoring. So uh, and led the league in rushing. So it was just a cool experience. It also helped me pay for my wife's engagement ring because we got engaged. <laughs> you, took, uh, you stole a question from me, coach. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, man, it was a cool. It was a very hard. God, it was hard. Those long bus rides and that, those turf. That was the old school turf. Now the old. You you're go. getting slammed. Nothing but concrete with a piece of carpet over it. You know, and it, uh, yeah, so and it, 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 it was a good experience. You're playing for Tupelo with one of the coolest nicknames I've ever heard of, the Fire Ants, man. You got to love that. And uh, But, yeah, l- let me get into that just real quick again. So you, you're kind of the coach, too. You're doing a player-coach type deal with the team. Um, you do save a lot of that money to make the best purchase you ever did probably in your life, right? So can you just get on that one more time? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that, that, was, that was the money. I, I saved every check I had. And uh, that's the money I used to buy Rebecca her engagement ring, you know, that's and it's cool. that engagement ring is kind of me and her, you know, it's not the biggest ring in the world. It's not the flashiest, but it was hard earned, you know, and I tell her all the time, baby, I can get you something better. She's like, no, this is us. You know, uh-huh. we've, we're not, we're not big time D one. We're, we're, when we grinded it out and all these little towns we've been through and we've, we've scratched and clawed and we love each other. You know, there's times that, We've all we had was each other, and uh, she's my best friend. And man, we get along, and uh, she pushes me to. She legitimately makes me a better person every day, and uh, that's what I need in my life. And and she she's a great great mother, but like she's a big time great wife. That's awesome, and uh, you know, heck of a football career you had there playing quarterback coach. I mean, like like I said, game video game numbers you put up. So you're done with the uh, Tupelo Fire Ants. You're ready to go coaching. Literally, you're done with the season. You head to Presbyterian. I mean, literally within days. Am I correct? Yes, within okay. days. Uh, I got called about a quarterback's job there. Uh, the head coach there knew Kenny Edenfield, my offensive coordinator at North Isle. They flew me in. I interviewed and got the job. And uh, me and my dad and mom, Rebecca had to finish up at Ole Miss, had one more semester that fall. And me and my dad and mom drove a U-Haul. I drove my car. My dad drove uh, – he pulled behind a U-Haul to Presbyterian, and uh, we unloaded, and we had a we had a team camp that started the next day, and I was off and running, man. And, uh, shoot, there you go. And that Presbyterian, South Carolina. And that Presbyterian nickname, man. <laughs> you got to love that one. The Blue Hose. The Blue Hose, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's actually a Scottish warrior with blue stockings. So it's blue hose for for the stocking hose. And uh, Clinton, South Carolina, a town with no Walmart, uh, halfway between Greenville and Columbia. Worked for a phenomenal head coach in Tommy Spangler, uh, one of the smartest football minds I've ever been around in Chris Sweet, the O-line coach. He ended up coaching in the CFL for a long time. And then uh, Jeff Coons was the D coordinator who actually – Ended up being the head coach at Holmes Community College. So phenomenal people. 
I knew football, but I had no idea how to do the paperwork of recruiting, the planning of things like that. And, man, they really took me under their wing and taught me a lot and just very, very thankful for them. That's awesome. Then go to Henderson State, go to Southwest Baptist, go to Arkansas Monticello, another cool nickname, the, the Bowl Weevils, Arkansas Monticello. So, but you, you literally did a little, little gauntlet there. So how was that running, you know, through kind of what's not on the college football map as far as the big names? How was that little run there? Yeah, you know, I learned so much, you know, and, and I met so many great people that are still in my life now. You know, we hired Sam Gregg in 2000. Uh, Five, yeah, 2005 at Southwest Baptist. I was the offensive coordinator, and he was the O-line coach. And that was all we had on offense. Like, that, we were the only two coaches, Marshawn. So, like, every time we snapped the ball, I coached the quarterbacks and the wideouts. He coached the O-line. And then we split the tight ends and running backs. So, depending on what personnel group we were in, I was coaching six, and he was coaching five, or he was coaching six, and I was coaching five. And – uh you know, man, it was just unbelievable uh, when you think about the things we went through. We broke like 23 school records offensively in our wow. first year there. It, it got us to Arkansas Monticello. We inherited a program there that had gone one in 10 two years in a row and had been last in the league in offense uh, two consecutive years. We won four games, and we finished third in the league in offense with a true freshman quarterback. We also hired a guy named Desmond Lindsay, who's still with us now to coach receivers. And so it became from just two of us to three of us at that time. And, uh, you know, man, it was little bitty towns. It was just us and our wives. And uh, we had a lot of good times. We, 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 we just had to scratch and claw and fight and figure it out. And uh, I'm so – it was so hard, but I'm so thankful for it now and because uh, it really made me who I am today. Yeah, looking at your resume after that, you know, gauntlet of kind of smaller towns. It kind of kicks off a little bit with West Alabama. Your offensive coordinator there, Gulf South Conference, and uh, start putting up nice numbers, what have you, winning championships, getting the playoffs. Uh, that little three-year run you had as offensive coordinator, if you don't mind, at West Alabama. Yeah, so we get hired by Bobby Wallace, you know, a legend. I love right. Coach Wallace. Coach Wallace won three national titles in the mid-'90s at North Alabama. He had taken over West Alabama, which was the perennial – doormat of the Gulf South Conference. They had gone one in nine the year when we went there. Uh, Sam, I, I took the job under the agreement that I could bring Sam and Dez with me. So we were taking over a program that went one in nine. Our first year, we won four games. Then the next year, we went to the playoffs for the first time in school history and won a playoff game. Then the next year, we had another winning season. And, uh, man, it was just huge for us, and it led to, uh, to me eventually getting that head job. But that was my first big break, go work under Bobby Wallace. He really taught me that there's so many things you can do in this profession that really don't matter. And he, he taught me that if it doesn't have anything to do with recruiting and winning football games, then if you can cut it out, it helps you be a better husband and father. And he also taught me that sometimes problems don't have a good answer. But as a leader, you've still got to give an answer and, and you got to charge forward and keep working. And because uh, as a young guy, man, you know, you got all the answers, you, you know, and uh, That's true. and uh, so I really learned a lot from him in those three years. So you get your break as a head coach, man, at West Alabama. I mean, you become the coach of the year in the conference and all that. So how is it like finally you're the guy? Yes, yeah, so I got that job at age 30. Uh, 
man, Marshawn, you know, I look back on it. And there's some things I regret. I, I I was probably a little too cocky sometimes. You know, I wasn't as humble as I should have been. We had a really good run, though. We we, we won more games. It's ever been won a three-year run at that school. We won two conference titles. We won the first outright conference title in school history. We beat perennial powerhouses, Delta State, Valdosta, and North Al for the first time in school history in the same season. Put a lot of guys into the NFL and just had a phenomenal run. Those six years that Rebecca and I lived in, in Livingston are, are six of the best years of our life. We had both of our kids there. It was a town of 3,000 people with no Walmart. And when we took that job <laughs> – I keep hearing no Walmart in some of these places. <laughs> well, when I, when I took that job, I literally had people tell me, what are you doing? You're going to end your career. And, man, when we left – they were the Gulf South Conference powerhouse. And I take great pride in that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really do and love those people there and appreciated our time. there. No, oh, yeah, making a name for yourself. You go to West Georgia to take that head coaching job. How was that? Yeah, so it was a really good, you know, we moved there basically for my family. My kids were getting old enough to go to school. And, and, and Carrollton, Georgia is a great town with great public school systems. And so it was a great move for my family. We were taking over a program that had won, I think, uh, 23 games in the previous six years when we got there. We won 24 in our first two. Uh, we really flipped it quick. We had great facilities and resources. We went to two semifinals. We won a conference title outright for the first time in school history. Uh, we won our first ever playoff games in school history and had an unbelievable three-year run there where we won 31 games over three years. and. Uh, it was just a great time in our lives and man, really appreciated our time there. And, and man, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Great, great coaching resume being built up. But next up is kind of what, you know, in the bigger picture kind of looks like your coaching break. You become the offensive coordinator where I live in Cajun country right now in Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, Mark Hudspeth is the head coach who was your head coach in North Alabama. What was that like, man, bringing <coughs> two guys together at your first D one job? Yeah, so, you know, I always wanted to be a Division One head coach. That was my goal since I was a kid. And, you know, when I was coming up in the profession, you had guys like Bobby Wallace, Jim Trussell, Hal Mummy, you know, uh, people like that. Willie Fritz had coached small college ball and had become D1 head coaches. And it was becoming more and more apparent to me that I just wasn't going to get that break because I didn't have – the landscape had changed. And uh, so, I, you know, I told Rebecca, we're going to have to reinvent ourselves. We're going to have to start from the bottom again at the Division One level and work our way up. And was able to get on with Coach Hutspeth, which I really appreciate that opportunity. We came in and, and uh, we improved them offensively, 40-something spots in the country. That's where I got to work with Reed Stringer for the first time. And, uh, you know, man, it just wasn't enough. They ended up letting us go. But uh, it was it was a it was a really good year where I learned a lot and it got me in the Division One ranks. Man, how how was it being a Cajun nation though for a year right there? You bring an Amory, Mississippi into the heart of the Cajun land. How was that dynamic, man? <laughs> I really enjoy. You know, I tell you what, the food was phenomenal. Oh, me yeah. and Rebecca, <laughs> we lived in Youngsville, right outside of it. We had a great church right there, and uh, really enjoyed my time there. Okay, cool. You go to Memphis for a bit. Uh, any good stories with Memphis? 
Yeah, you know, that was a that was a that was a big break for me too, is Mike Norvell hiring me right there because Memphis was doing so good. I'm really indebted to Mike because I didn't have a job, you know, and Mike hired me as assistant head coach and tight ends. Me and Mike kind of have a lot of connections that go way back through Chip Long, who was my college roommate and was Mike's offensive coordinator at one time. Mike was doing a phenomenal job at Memphis. We won a ton of games. He was on the forefront of tempo and offensive football. And uh, obviously, he's doing a great job at Florida State now. So that was a that was a a really good break for me as well. Oh, very cool. And uh, kind of interesting story now. Your next break is kind of what I see as that big break for you. you go to Tulane to be the new new offensive coordinator for him. I'm a New Orleans guy. I definitely know Tulane football. But you said you said something about their head current coach Willie Fritz, who was there when he hired you. He saved your career in a way. Yeah. He really made that much of an impact to you. You kind of said, you know, I'll, I love that man. Think the world of him. So if you could talk about that, getting to Tulane and really getting that kickstart again to your career. Yeah. So, you know, I had been a small college head coach and uh, very, you know, I was blessed to be really successful and jumped into this D1 deal and it just hadn't really gone the way I wanted it. You know, like life is for all of us sometimes. We went to Lafayette and we got fired. And, and then we go to Memphis, and I'm not calling plays for the first time in my career. and uh, But I'm in a good environment. I'm very thankful for it. But And I didn't know if – I didn't know, you know, if I would get that opportunity again because technically we had failed, you know, at Lafayette. I mean, we had done a lot better than what they were doing, but we, but we got fired. And, man, Coach Fritz gave me another chance. And he brought me in and interviewed me and hired me, and he let me hire, you know, one of my guys as my old line coach. And, and uh, he let me do it the way I wanted to do it. He really gave me autonomy over it. And being under him, it really solidified to me that a lot of my beliefs that I have from Division Two in the way you treat people, that you can do it at this level and you can win and win and win it and win a lot and win championships. And so it was just a refreshing two years for me and my family. My two kids love him. I mean, he's like a grandfather to Pete, my youngest. No, they absolutely love each other. We had a great two-year run. We had the second-best offense in school history. And, uh, you know, it was just a phenomenal I, – I, man, I loved it so much that I was resigned to the fact that, man, I, I may just be his offensive coordinator forever and do this, you know, because uh, there's so many volatile situations where you can't be a husband and father in this profession, and, and Coach Fritz allowed you to do that. And uh, so we 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 had we loved New Orleans. My wife, we loved we absolutely. My kids were at John Curtis. They were so good to my kids, and I loved living in New Orleans. Like, I grew up a Saints fan, man. There you I go. Love, I love Mardi Gras. I love the food. I love I I love everything about New Orleans. Yeah, I do. Oh yeah, who who that all that man? You know I'm a New Orleans guy. So yeah. Uh, but I'm diehard Southern Miss guy, Coach. So while you're at Tulane, this is where we're bringing some Southern Miss in finally. So you guys play Southern Miss and the Armed Forces Bowl absolutely smashes. Then you come to the Rock in 2020 and absolutely humiliate us. I was at that game. Yeah. But one thing during that time, you know, especially in 2020 season, we're having some head coaching issues. And um, your name kept popping up. You beat a 66 to 24 at the yeah. Rock. Was that your audition to be the head coach of Southern Miss? Like they're going to hire me. One way or the other, or, or come on, was that a loaded game? <laughs> you know what's funny about that game? A lot of people say that, but if you go back and remember, Marshawn, we had we had won uh, 
you know, we had won our first game of the year that year, and then we lost to Navy the week, the next following week in a heartbreaking fashion. We were up 24 to nothing. And we went into that game with Southern Miss not really knowing how good we were. Uh, you know, we had a new starting quarterback for the first time. So we go into that game, we make a quarterback change after the second series and put a true freshman in named Michael Pratt, who is going to end up being, you know, an NFL draft pick <laughs> right. and one of the great college quarterbacks of the last 10 years. And and uh, what a kid he is. I love him <laughs> to death. But so, you know, going that game, we really didn't know what we had. And we get Pratt in there, and, and a, a great quarterback changes everything, you know. And, and uh, we kind of took off that day. And uh, ended up going to another bowl game. Was it an audition? I really wasn't thinking about that at the time. Jeremy <laughs> and I, to be honest with you, man, I hadn't. You know, I I tried to get involved in the Southern Miss job the last time and, and couldn't get a sniff for an interview. And like I told you, I was resigned to the fact that I was going to be Willie Fritz's offensive coordinator. And it's funny how God works. And several weeks later, Jeremy called me. And, and uh, I've always loved this place. You know, everybody knows that. Everybody knows what my fiber is and how much I love Mississippi. And even when Jeremy called me, Rebecca and I almost refused to think about it too much because it's almost too good to be true. Mm. And uh, I'm just very mm. thankful and blessed that it worked mm. out. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, I can feel the passion from me for the black and gold uh, daily. You know, I believe in you. I tweet it all the time. I believe in Will Hall. So we love what you're doing here, man. But so I want to get into some kind of coach talk. So you you have all these guys on the team, bunch of personalities. I mean, heck, I was a character when I played. How do you build chemistry with about a hundred characters, man? What what's the key? Well, I think all leadership starts with a vision, you know, and, and you've got to you've got to make sure everybody knows that vision. And there's nobody in our football building that doesn't know our vision. And, and it's two things. And you know it, Marshawn, you've heard me say it a lot. Number one is we want to be the best group of five football program in America. Yeah. And number two is we want to develop real men. And a real man is is defined for us as not somebody that goes in a bar and wins a bar fight. You know, a real man is somebody that handles his obligations and his responsibilities for everybody that's counting on him, even on his bad days. That's what real men do. And so that's our vision. And it's great to have a vision. And to tell everybody where you're going, but you've also got to have a detailed Lou, – Lou Holtz used to always say one time, real leaders have a vision and a detailed plan on how to get to that vision. And, man, you're around our program to know we are unbelievably structured and organized. Uh, right. There's a plan for everything. And for us, we've got six core values, uh, honesty, accountability, the golden rule, always compete, project positive energy, and find a way. And those things are are constantly – in our program. They're intertwined into everything we do from our from our, our workouts to our speeches to our practices. One to two of them are talked about. They were talked about this morning. Um, so that's it, man. Everybody knows where we're headed and everybody knows the plan in which we're going to get there. And I very rarely waver from it. You know, even through hard times, you've seen it. And uh, that's that's kind of my deal. One thing, talking about Southern Miss fans, man, I, I, I do say pound for pound, arguably the most passionate fan base out there, man. I'll, I'll yeah. put them up against anybody. Just go to Twitter sometimes, man. But um, to you, what makes Southern Miss different? We're in the middle of SEC country right here, but what, what's so special and unique about Southern Miss? 
The thing that makes us different, and it's what we sell in recruiting, particularly when we got here, because when we got here, we haven't been winning recently. So we had to sell, hey, man, look what we've been before. And, man, we have won. Like, we've got 125 NFL draft picks, fixing to have some more this year. Like, that's almost more than the rest of the Sun Belt combined. You know, we've been to 23 bowl games. Like, man, we have won and won forever. And we have been the best group of five football program before. Even when we're not winning, we have over 20,000 in our home stadium. You know, like I saw, no knock on them, but like Coastal Carolina this past year announced their largest crowd in the history of the school, and it was like 23,000. We had that on a bad day. You know, we had 23,000 on a bad day. You know, when you come to the Eagle Walk, like the Eagle Walk rivals any SEC game day experience. So what makes Southern Miss special is that. Uh, I tell people all the time when we recruit them, you know, that 6A high school that wins a state title and that 3A high school that wins a state title, it means just as much to that 3A school as it does to that 6A school. There's just not quite as many people. And that's us at Southern Miss. We're an SEC-type mentality atmosphere of a program. We just ain't got quite as many people as LSU do. You know what I mean? We're going to have 30,000 in a game instead of 85. But, man, our people, you know, they freaking love it. They are passionate. (laughs) They want it. They want it now. They don't care that we inherited a program with 27 people academically ineligible and only 60 scholarships. They wanted me to go 12-0 and in year one. (laughs) And I love that. And uh, we embrace it, and, and we're building it back the right way. Yeah, I told my wife, Angela, I promise my Mondays don't go according to plan. Our Southern Miss does over the weekend. I lied, man. You know, we <laughs> lose, man. My Monday is just a mess. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> yeah, so, I know it. But, know man, it. when I say this phrase, what do you think? Nasty bunch. What comes in your head? Yeah, I think Southern Miss defense, Southern Miss football, you know. And uh, one thing that I think, you know, that people didn't know about me when Jeremy hired me, because I was an offensive guy, is that when, when and one reason Jeremy did hire me, I believe with all my heart, is in my previous two head coaching stops, we had two different D coordinators that led the conference in defense. So I had built programs in the past, the old school way of getting good on defense. Then we come here and we do the same thing. We start building it back with defense, and uh, I just believe in that. I believe in in running the football. And I believe in playing defense and developing quarterbacks. And so it was a great fit mentality with how I was going to build the program. Southern Miss is one of the few places in the country that wants you to play defense. And uh, we're certainly doing that. Nasty Bunch, to me, is is relentless effort in pursuit of the football. It is keeping people out of the end zone. It's knocking the crap out of people. And, uh, shoot, man, we're not – you know, we're building it back. You can see it coming. And I, I think, you know, you guys were unbelievable. and uh, But I do think that that you guys are proud and you can see it coming back. Absolutely. Uh, now, Coach, I was at the Mobile Bowl, and uh, I watched Frank Gore put up video game numbers. You're used to video game numbers when you played at quarterback. But were you, did you take a step back, especially in that fourth quarter, what he started to do and kind of had a wild moment, look at this cat go? <laughs> you know, it was one of those deals where we went into the game and uh, like every game, we, we wanted to to get him, you know, 20 or so touches and keep him fresh and play Kenyon Clay and some of our young backs and get them in and 
he just got hot, man. He was hitting it. He was feeling it. I think what you really saw late in the year is the Sam Gregg effect of hiring Sam really starting to take place and our young old linemen starting to really get it. We averaged over seven yards of play versus Monroe and then nine yards of play versus Rice, which at that rate puts you as a top 30 offense in the country. And we really moved the ball. Our old line played phenomenal in that game. Rice was really concerned about Brownlee and bracketing our receivers. And so we had six in the box, and our six was whipping their six. And Frank, you know, Frank was getting into the secondary running full speed, and they, and then he was Frank, man. He was making people miss, and he got hot, and he played relentless. And I'm just – I'm happy for Frank. I'm happy that he had that type of game. It brought a lot of notoriety to him, but it also brought a lot of notoriety to our program. And so it was just a fun, fun night to be a Golden Eagle. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Kudos to Coach Sam Gregg and that offensive line, all the work he's done. But And then, obviously, when you win a game like that, you get to see that Frank Gore smile, which lights up a room, oh, which is God. so cool, man. Now, we haven't had a true Heisman candidate since Brett Favre in 1990. I mean, like a true one that's we're, we're pushing. Your thoughts on a Frank Gore for Heisman trophy campaign this year? I, I personally think it should happen, man. <laughs> Yeah, so the first thing that's got to happen is you got to win, right? You know, like I, I won the D2 Heisman. Well, we went undefeated, you know. Um, Joe Burrow won the Heisman. LSU went undefeated, you know. I mean, nobody's going to win the Heisman without having a great year. Uh, I do think Frank can be in that conversation, Lord willing, he stays healthy. We've got to have a great year as a team for that to happen. Uh, but, man, I can tell you this, he's going to get the ball you know, and uh, and he's going to do good things with it. And uh, I really feel good about where our program's at. And hopefully we can continue to build and, and he can have a great, great year. Heck yeah, no, getting into the 2023 season, this is year three. So, uh, you know, a lot of people do point to that third year. Let's see what's really going to happen now. Um, the schedule, man, you look at it. <laughs> it is what it is, you know, but yep. what, what are your thoughts on 2023 early? Well, twofold, you know, number one, our program is in place now. We've had three great recruiting classes. Uh, we're not young anymore. We've got depth. We've got older people. Our kids know what we want. So our, our program is in place. We're healthy and we're going we're gonna to get after some people. Uh, it is going to be the hardest schedule that we've had to have here, and it's going to be the hardest schedule we'll probably ever have here, you know, being honest, because we play – two power fives in Florida State and Mississippi State, and then we play Tulane, who is played in a power five bowl game. You know, so uh, it is what it is. But with a, with a hard schedule comes a lot of great opportunity, right, just like yeah. you guys used to have. So I think we're prepared for it. If we put our best foot forward, it could be a special, special season. But we're going to be back in it. You know, we're not going to back down from anybody anymore. We can play. Uh, we're deep, we're talented, we're well coached, and I think I think uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a very difficult schedule. But I think we're equipped to manage it, and we're excited about it. Absolutely. So people are excited about this 2023 season too, for sure. In the Sun Belt, your take on the Sun Belt, real quick, where we're at with that conference, because to me, it changed everything for us in a positive light. Yeah, there's no question. Just a huge move by Jeremy McLean. Dr. Bennett at the time filtering in a Dr. Joe Paul to get that done a year early. Uh, it's just a well-run league. It's very organized. They have a, again, great leadership has a vision and a detailed plan, right? Well, the Sunbelt has a very short-term great vision and a great long-term vision. 
They've also got a plan to get us there. Uh, it's affiliated with ESPN, which is great. Uh, the, 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 the referees and officials are affiliated with the SEC, which is great. So it's just a much more well-run league than you can feel that from the top all the way throughout. It's a difficult league, right? We played uh, – we lost five games last year, you know, Marshawn, that, that to teams that won eight or more, we lost four that won nine or more. And, uh, you know, we were right there in it. It was a one-score game with six minutes to go in the game with every one of them. So we just got to keep pushing and take that next step. We're going to be a year older, another recruiting class. I think we've got a chance to really go down the stretch and compete for the Sunbelt West Championship. Absolutely. A couple more questions before we close this, Coach. You ran the gauntlet with the Get Where You Get. It's inspiring for coaches to see what you did to get to a premier job at Southern Miss. What's your message to a young coach trying to make it big? Yeah, you got to know what you want and every move. You know, if you know where you're going, then you can choose the routes to get there, right? Nobody gets in the car and just starts driving the car without knowing where they're going. You know, and it's the same with life. You've got to decide what you want to be where every move you make can set yourself up for a better chance to get there. And those moves are not going to be fun and they're not going to be easy because success is not easy. You know, thank God. I mean, I'm so blessed. I make a lot of money. I'm a D1 head coach, but I didn't make a lot of money for a long time. And I wasn't a D1 coach for a long time. And uh, you've got to be willing to – to, to do all those things. And uh, I tell my young coaches all the time, they say, man, coach, some of my GA, they say, man, coach, I'm only got one year left to GA by rule. I'd really like to get a job. Hey, man, I can get you a job. You know what I mean? I can call Southwest Baptist and Monticello tomorrow. We can get you a job, you know, but you don't start off at Georgia and Alabama right. and Southern Miss. Like, that. that's not the way it works. And, uh, you know, so – uh, you got to be willing to do those things, and there's so much to be gained and learned from because of it. Yeah, Coach, well, you and your family become beloved around Hattiesburg. Any closing words for the Southern Miss Nation? Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I hope people really respect and love what we're doing. I know we want to win right away. There's so many fans that do. But I hope as we continue to build this, Southern Miss fans are going to look back and say, man, that climb was fun, and they really did it the right way, and it's on solid ground, and it's built to last. And uh, we do, man. If you're around our players and the way they act and do things, we are moving in the right direction. And, uh, man, we're excited to be here. My family loves it here. And, man, I think I think great times are coming. I think our toughest days are behind us. That's not to say we're not going to have tough days, but our toughest stretch of days are behind us, and I think the future is very bright. Well, Coach, thank you so much for being on the show. My wife, Angela, got a kick out of how excited I was to talk to you, man. So definitely trying to do my homework and learn a lot of stuff about you. Colorful history, for sure. Man, I really appreciate you. I appreciate Angela. I always love seeing you guys. And, uh, man, anytime y'all are in Hattiesburg, give me a call. And, man, shoot to the top, Marshawn. Absolutely. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate you, Coach. All right. Thank you. Well, I most certainly enjoyed catching up with Southern Miss head football coach Will Hall right there. I expect big things at The Rock in 2023. Well, as you've seen in recent shows, I've had some familiar faces send some of their favorite memories into the show. And I thought the perfect person to do it for this show would be Will Hall's dad, Bobby Hall. That's right, the legendary Mississippi high school football coach himself. 
Marshawn, I would have to say my favorite moment as a Southern Miss fan would be the day that Will Hall became the head football coach at the University of Southern Mississippi. Uh, I'm a pure Mississippi boy, raised here all my life. Will Hall was born and raised here. He's pure Mississippi. And he hung out with me from the first day of kindergarten until he started playing football as a seventh grader. And as he got older and realized that he wanted to be a football coach, he said that his goal the entire time was to be a head football coach at a Division One school by the time he was 40. And ironically, he became the head football coach at the University of Southern Mississippi when he was 40 years old. And for him to realize that dream and for me as his father to do that, that would be my favorite moment as a Southern Miss fan. Thanks so much for sending that story into the show, Bobby Hall. I've definitely enjoyed developing a friendship with you and your son, Will, over the past couple of years. Well, with this show, I've asked for a lot of fan comments, a lot of fan interaction, and you've definitely done so. And I'm going to get to some of those comments in this next segment that we call Four and Out. Well, recently on Twitter, I asked the Southern Miss Nation, I said, which team is our biggest Sunbelt rival and why? I got a lot of fan comments and I appreciate it. And like I said before, I can't always get to all of them, but I got to four that I thought were pretty cool. So uh, let's start with the first one. It came from at Eagles to the top. And he said, Louisiana, without a doubt, they're our natural rival with a lot of history. South Al and Troy have each other. Doesn't mean we can't dislike them too, but ooh la la is our rival. And I think Eagles to the top is trying to start a little trouble already with calling South Al, South Al, you know they don't like that, being called South Al, and then calling uh, Louisiana, uh, ooh la la, I live here in Lafayette, so don't start some trouble for me, please, with the ooh la la comment. Next up, at Democracy Rock, I will never get over the 2021 la la baseball announcer's disrespect of Danny Lynch just before the greatest backflip of all time, runs deep, Fire emoji, hashtag SMTTT. Yeah, that bat flip back then was so cool. I mean, you talk about a heated rivalry started right there uh, with baseball. Next up, at Jeff24, he says, South Alabama, the short proximity between the schools and the Jaguars always play us tough in every sport like a thorn in our side. And yeah, South Alabama is definitely a thorn in our side. We've We've got to get over that hump in a couple of the sports here. Next up, at Cloverleaf Mall. And if you're not following at Cloverleaf Mall on Twitter, I highly recommend it. It's one of the most fun Southern Miss pages you'll ever see. I mean, I laugh daily at at Cloverleaf. But uh, the page says, unpopular take alert. In my opinion, football is the foundation for a conference rival. Competitive balance fuels a true rivalry. I love playing Louisiana but the history is one-sided. I can see Troy becoming our true Sunbelt rival. Our history with Troy actually goes back to 1935, hashtag SMTTT. Uh, great takes right there and keep sending them in. I really appreciate all you do for the show, Southern Miss Nation. And well, that's a wrap for this show. And uh, once again, 
All I ask, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. It's free to do so. We want this show to be around for a long time, and it's going to be key for uh, to get more subscribers, so please hit that subscribe button is all I ask. Uh, also, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, go ahead and like and subscribe over there, too. It's all free to do. Uh, well, until next time, uh, Tuesdays from here on out, as always, Southern Miss to the top. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave a comment. Join us next Tuesday when I talk to Southern Miss head basketball coach, Jay Ladner.